Good morning, everyone. My friends, we're, our first reading is from the great prophet Isaiah. Just as a reminder with Isaiah, remember he's speaking to a people in a time that was very difficult. And uh, they were in uh, despair, had anxieties. And Isaiah is speaking hope to them in all things, but he's also speaking a truth to them about something that not only would be in their time, but something in fulfillment that would come. And uh, this first reading from the prophet Isaiah, uh, from Christianity's point of view, when we look back through our lenses, uh, is uh, part of what we call four songs. Four songs um, that speak about a mysterious suffering servant who's suffering, or as we would understand it, whose sacrifice would bring healing to many, many people. And our church has always seen these suffering servant songs, the four of them, as applying to Jesus of Nazareth. Did Isaiah know that? He did not know that. Because God does not reveal all things every time, but in pieces. And um, in this first reading, this suffering servant, uh, it is said uh, that God formed him and called him to bring the people of Israel back to God. Then, within a few pericopes, a few lines, um, it says that he would be faithful to this call. Then, Isaiah says, oh, but that is not enough. There is going to be something more. And this more would be not just the people of Israel, not just the Hebrews, but this person will be a light for the whole world. That mysterious servant um, that Isaiah spoke about, um, Isaiah didn't know. Isaiah might have thought, is he talk, am I talking about myself? Am I talking about someone who is just down the street from me? And uh, the way Isaiah would have saw it, that this person would be local and he would only uh, be working within the local community. However, the, um, there is what I call a call within a call. Uh, there was this call, and it comes only to light in its proper time and moment. And the purpose of that servant's life is made much larger than they might have thought. Now, my friends, the second reading is actually a greeting or an introduction in a letter. It's the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, and it's a greeting. And if you don't know the whole letter, uh, the greeting, in a way, kind of doesn't make any sense uh, why we're reading it the way we are. But, uh, in fact, um, it's a greeting, and there's a call that's put on anyone who will bring Jesus, whoever says Jesus' name, and that their servant. And it's really simple. Walk in holiness. Father, be simple about that. Do what Jesus did. Let him be the way, the truth, and the light. I have a bigger meaning when I say holiness, but just for our sake here. This is what Paul's getting at. But within that introduction is something, a detail. In there, St. Paul references a person named Sothenes. This Sothenes, reference to him, appears twice in our New Testament, the one we hear today, but there's also another time, and it references an incident that happened earlier in St. Paul's life. They are acquaintances. And um, when Paul had originally gone to Corinth, Sothenes was a religious leader. He was a, a religious leader of the Jews. He was a synagogue leader. He had Paul arrested, 
and tried before the Roman government. So the governor of Rome, uh, the Roman governor. The governor, oddly enough, dismissed the case. You don't have enough evidence. I don't want to deal with this. Out you go. The members of the synagogue, they didn't turn on Paul. They turned on Sothenes, and they beat him up in the street. Nobody wants to be beaten up, right? Can we all agree about that? That is not a nice thing. That is a terrible thing. <laughs> However, this event in Sothenes' life sparked his conversion to Jesus Christ. Eventually, Sothenes would become an assistant to St. Paul. Do you see the irony? Paul used to beat up Christians. <laughs> you remember? He, used to come, he came after the Christians because he was also a religious leader. He was a Pharisee. So my friends, I got to thinking about this and was reflecting about events such as these that can change our lives and put us on a different trajectory, as we would say it here. Um, and oftentimes we do not know the direction in which the Lord has yet to take us completely. So my friends, I thought about this. We all know people who have had experiences sudden and dramatic in their life, and because of this, and maybe it happens early in life, and sometimes it's even later in life, it changes things. The call of the Lord is mysterious and often hidden in suffering more than it is in prosperity, and these events shake one's life, as it did Sothenes. And this is what I call a call within a call. The Gospel reading, John the Baptist, let me remind you, John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. They know each other. They're not, some said, well, Father, did they, when they were growing up, did they know each other? Absolutely. <laughs> they lived in the same town, pretty much. John is giving us the recollection of a baptism. Not the baptism you and I know, right, Michelle? Not that bad. This is sacramental. The baptism Jesus is talking about it will be, for lack of a better word, the inauguration of something for him. So it's an event. But John is, John the baptizer is recalling it. He recalls that the Holy Spirit descends upon this man like a dove. John does not say the Holy Spirit is a bird. Get that out of your head. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. But when you think of a dove, doves are peaceful. They evoke peace. They're gentle. Not like seagulls. <laughs> right? They're peaceful. So he sees the Holy Spirit come upon this man named Jesus with great peace and calm. John is made to realize in that moment, here is the mysterious servant Isaiah made reference to, which John knows about, who would take away not only the sins of the Hebrews and of Israel, but of the whole world. Eventually, John the baptizer would realize that he was sent not just to preach repentance. Remember, that is what he had been doing. He had been preaching repentance. Then on this day, on that afternoon, in that place, something else happened. A call within the call he comes to realize he has another call to point out the Messiah, 
the artwork we have up here is John the baptizer with his finger pointing to remind you that he pointed out the Lamb of God. Now, the Lamb of God is a very loaded statement. But notice what he didn't say. There's my cousin. There's my cousin. Ooh, he's coming. He didn't say that. As a matter of fact, he never references Jesus in this way. He never refers to Jesus as his cousin. This is mind-boggling for me because family was very important, blood ties. And I have a very strong suspicion why this is happening, why the evangelists write the way they do. But this is his cousin. They know each other. And now he comes to understand. You see, John does not know. This is what I mean. God does not reveal everything in one moment, but gives it to us as we can perhaps accept it. And that is the call within the call. Father, that's all great. What about me? Here comes to me, us. Each one of you sitting here has an occupation. All of you do. If you're only five, you will have one. <laughs> right now, your occupation is to be a five-year-old, <laughs> if you will. Now, there are some, Father Mark, uh, I want to be careful because a lot of people, when they were leaving, were asking about this. Father Mark had many occupations before he became a priest. Some of them, some of them were not good. And I questioned, what was I thinking? And I thought, what a waste. You see, when I was growing up, when I was little, I had the imagination that I would be a priest, but never, ever, ever did I really think that this would be true. And yet here I stand at an ambo in Gig Harbor as priest and pastor. I still ask God, what are you up to? <laughs> he doesn't reveal everything all at once. But everyone has an occupation. All of you do. Now, there are some occupations where it is considered vocation. For you married people, you're in a vocation. That is a vocation to married life. I'm in a vocation now in the ordained ministerial priesthood. But you may have an occupation. Doctors usually don't say occupation. They usually say vocation. I think law enforcement say the same thing. It's not just a job. It's a way of life, vocation. But all of you have this. Whether it be as mom or as dad or as brother, as sister, as auntie, as uncle, whatever it is, there's your, you have an occupation. And what I could never see, but I only stun now, is that those occupations that I had, I couldn't see that God was pushing me forward. I just couldn't see it. I wasn't in the place to see it. But he was pushing me forward. I looked back and I thought, I don't know what, I, but now I understand more. Hidden within it was a deeper purpose, perhaps not always known to us. So what Father Mark does is, I'm like, can I back that statement up with Scripture? And yes, I can. It's found in Romans 8, 28. Now, back then, I didn't see it. We know that all things work for the good of those who love God. I loved God back then, but I was a disobedient child. All things work for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, meaning to walk in his way, to walk in holiness. So my statement is, 
within that occupation, God had already been working on something, even though I didn't see it. He was certainly pushing me forward, dragging me sometimes, I think. This is sometimes something that we cannot choose in the most traditional sense of understanding it. It is mysteriously put on our life by God. We are in this place at this time with this family, with these folks, for a reason. So my friends, this statement is going to be another hard one. The prosperity we have known or the sufferings we have endured are for a reason. I look back at some of those things that I did. I worry about it. I don't want to be reminded of it, but I will be reminded of it by God. But it'll be okay. The prosperity we have known or the sufferings we have endured are for a reason. So I thought, Father Mark, I don't say that to myself, but Father Mark, Mark, can you back that up with Scripture? And it's been there for a long time, but I didn't see it. It comes from Ecclesiastes. There is an appointed time for everything and a time for every affair under the heavens. And it goes on further and has a very strange ending, finally. What now is, has already been, what is to be, it already is, and God retrieves what has gone by. I'm going to leave that alone because we'll be here all afternoon. The prosperity we have known and the sufferings we have endured have been for a reason. This is a hard truth. It is one that I don't like, but it is a truth. The things that I did in the past, the different jobs that I've had, were all for a reason. The cancer I suffered twice was for a reason. I don't want it. It's ugly, but it was for a reason. That is a hard truth. Because perhaps in and through those events, it allowed me to speak a particular truth to somebody. It, perhaps my life, even though I didn't recognize it, spoke to somebody triggered an event that helped somebody or invited someone to grow closer to Christ, even if it was, Lord, may I never be like him. <laughs> These are hard truths. None of us fully knows the complete purpose of our life here on earth and what use God has to make of it, yet still, this is a frustrating thing because he doesn't reveal everything. Come on, you guys, you know this. I cannot be the only person that gets frustrated by these things. We will know the full impact of our life at the last judgment, when we will be shown the full effect of our life. The things that we did and said, and the things that we did not do and say, and I'm more worried about the things that I did and said but it will be him who sits in front of me. So, not you guys, me. Your pastor works really hard to try and make up. Even though every archbishop that I've been under has said, let it go. Stay focused on the call at hand. For now, even in the midst of frustrations, the call within the call, 
For now, each one of you who are baptized, who call on Jesus Christ by name, you have a call on your life, and each one of you have a call within the call. At the very least, we can know this. Each one of us who are baptized are called to walk in faithfulness, to remain faithful to him, to walk in holiness. Quite simply, do what Jesus did, because he's our master. And like the mysterious suffering servant of the first reading, there is a mission and significance that is larger in our life than perhaps we can imagine right now. God's purpose for us may be much larger than you and I think. Here's the example. Right here. Like Sothenes, our life can move along one path and suddenly an event, even if it is not nice, even if it is distasteful to us, even if it is hard and painful, creates a whole new meaning and puts us on a different pathway that God has already seen. And for me, these things tore away illusions that I had. And it turned me closer to Christ. It forced me in that path in a way that nothing else would have. Our lives are surrounded by the mystery of God's will that has a purpose and a mission that is known only to him. It's frustrating. I get it. <laughs> I really do. It will be revealed in its proper time. When things occur that we do not expect, it may be this call within the call beginning to surface and show itself. And each one of you have it. None of you sitting here can say, no, I don't. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. It may not be the call like Mother Teresa on, where she affected the whole world, but it will affect somebody in your world. And it matters to God. It is important to him. Like John the Baptist, we who are baptized and made disciples are at the very least called to point to Jesus. So this morning when you leave here, you leave this sacred space. You carry the divine light that Isaiah makes reference to that Jesus is very explicit about. And just like you, I too, I suspect that each one of us will pass a corner of our world, meaning your particular life, that is filled with darkness, and you need to be light in that darkness for someone. Somewhere in your world, there is a despair that is happening in someone's heart that you will be the answer to. Someone who's waiting just for a kind word. Someone who has a forgiving smile. Or just a simple, friendly embrace. All of God's chosen are called to offer these things. Be How do I know this? Because Jesus did it. And you have to do it then. It's just a matter of doing it. He walked the streets of ancient Israel and he did this. So I know that you and I have to do this, at the very least. Now, my friends, um, sometimes God's ways are different. We know this, and uh, it's frustrating sometimes. I think, why don't we just send the burning bush, right? 
Well, the burning bush didn't really work for everyone back then, did it? Because as Moses went and talked to the burning bush, people were being very bad. <laughs> oh, but Father, they had the pillar of fire at night and the pillar of smoke during the day. Yeah, that didn't work either, did it? Because they got stuck 40 years in the desert doing bad things. <laughs> That's why they were there. You see, it didn't work. I would love to have just Jesus send me a text. <laughs> but it doesn't work. <laughs> it can be frustrating. What did work, though? His friends, the people he called, that worked. Because in 2023, in this city, is the Roman Catholic Church and our Christian communities that were started back by them. That worked because it worked that means you guys are going to have to do this whether it be as wife and mother and theologian there's only theologian of the church now i don't know if you saw that 20 years ago right will it be did you have a good celebration yesterday <gasps> father knew and he couldn't say anything <laughs> i had to keep it secret it wasn't a it wasn't under confession though the seal but i knew better and happy birthday. All of you, you have this call within the call. It's frustrating because maybe it won't come out till later. Maybe it will be immediate. I suspect you already know what that is. Some of us. But it's there. And if you, part of the problem is, is you don't believe it. That's why we can't see it. And that's why he doesn't reveal it all at one time to us. But it's there. It begins with you understanding that he loves you. If you do not understand this, it is going to make it very difficult. So God loves you always. And he has great things in store, as any parent would have for you. All parents want the very best for their children. So God is your father. He wants the very best for you. Stop messing around. <laughs> Mom, right? Oh, no, he wouldn't call me. No, let's look at his friends. Jesus called a modern-day IRS agent, a tax collector. He called a doctor. He called fishermen that know nothing, just fishing. There was a group of women around him that were unheard of in his time to travel with him. And we can debate about their occupations, but within them, he used it, and these women came forward. You know their names. Marys. I'm not talking about his mom. That is a, that's a whole different. <laughs> Mary Magdala. Mary, the wife, Cleop, uh, the Cleop, you know, Cleopless. It's a, all them. If he called them, had a call within their call, them... You cannot sit here and say he wouldn't do that to me. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he does. Once you recognize it, once you're open to it, once you realize that you are loved, it becomes more evident to you. Do I know what God has in store for me next year or five years from now? I don't. Is he revealing it to me right now? Absolutely not, because I probably can't handle it. <laughs> That's a frustrating thing. But it is in his time. But all of you, all of you, Every single one of you. To you little ones, you will figure it out. To the ones who are older, 
If you haven't figured it out, you will. You will. It's never too late for God. It just seems, as I set up my example, I look back and I think, what the heck were you doing and thinking? And the whole time he was there, pushing me forward. And some of those places, it is only by his grace that I am still alive and breathing. If you look closely, you will find that it is true of you, too. Amen? My friends, did you know that the Ecclesiastes reading was a song made really famous in the 60s by the birds? Well, they didn't write it, but they made it popular. Three other people called Turn, Turn, and Turn. Now, last Mass, the people said, Father, now that song is in our head, and our children are Googling it and YouTubing it. Um, that song uh, is based on Ecclesiastes 3. And the way it was written and the way it was sung, I'm amazed at how close they came to the interpretation of it from Scripture. And I don't even know if everyone knew that was based on Scripture at their time. Go listen to it. Because it is very close. I'm amazed at how close they got it. And the truth that it spoke in the 60s, 1965, I think, right around there is when it came out. Um, Google it. If you're, if you're unfamiliar with it, Google it. And listen to the words and their interpretation of Holy Scripture, the Old Testament. 